This is The Waycast is a podcast where we recap every Star Wars episode and movie as it's released on Disney+. Plus. This is your spoiler alert and you have been warned. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of This is The Waycast Boba Fett edition. I'm Sarah Edwards, the regular Star Wars reporter at Boardwalk Times. And I'm Giovanni Delgadillo, a columnist at the Boardwalk Times. Today we're going to be talking about chapter two of the book of Boba Fett, The Tribes of Tatooine. And I really enjoyed this episode because I feel like it was more episodically divided, like we start the episode in present time, and then once Boba's in the back to tank, the rest of the episode is his time with the Dune or the Tuscan Raiders. It's funny you say Dune, because I was going to say this episode was reminiscent of Dune, the story, (laughs) and we already know that a lot of Star Wars was influenced by Dune, but man, this is one of the best uh, Star Wars TV episodes they've ever done because of how, like you said, episodic it was. It was very linear and you get to see a lot happen. Um, I, I actually tweeted after this episode ended that this, they should just rename the show the Book of Banger Fit. This is a <laughs> banger. Like, so awesome. There was also just so such minimal talking toward the end. I, I like that there was not a lot of dialogue, but you still just, you weren't confused. You weren't like, what are they doing? It was very poetic almost. I really loved watching just how Boba is getting along with the Tuscan Raiders and how they're taking him in as his own. I mean, this whole episode was just so much, I don't even know how to explain it. There was so much visually that was visually pleasing about this episode. Like I, I was I was hypnotized the entire time. Yeah, I was going to say that entire last montage was mm-hmm. was probably one of the reasons I said what I said earlier, because there aren't many scenes in Star Wars that are just music and visuals, really. Like, like there's a lot of action scenes with like explosions, but usually there's people talking. So it's rare that it does something that mature. And, and that, that's what I really appreciated, which I'm going to attribute a lot of this to the director of this episode she um has mostly only directed hbo tv which is kind oh. of like a big deal it's obvious why you'd hire someone like that in, in fact this entire show has been more of a show unlike the other um kind of star wars and marvel stuff where it's been very much felt like a movie stretched out or like mandalorian felt more like a not so serialized tv you know more old school this one feels a lot more like something you'd see on HBO, something you'd see on streaming, which I really appreciated. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm glad that they hired this person, Steph Green. She did an excellent job because this was a more dramatic episode. Like it has some funny moments here and there, but it was a lot more serious and they took it seriously. It has some great action scenes. But for me in particular, the ending montage is probably the best thing in the entire episode it's really good the music carries again Uh, so good good. it's so good it's also we've just never seen anything like that in star wars like we've had some montages before but i feel like all of the montages happened in all the animated series and they just weren't as like you know they were still really well done but i don't think they hit quite as hard as this one like, especially with this montage, I think the part that got me was when we see young Boba watching Django's ship oh fly away. Yes. That hits so hard for me. That's exactly what I was wanting to see. 
I just, I wanted to see more interaction between Boba and Jango. And it seems like we're going to get some of that as we continue more with the show. Oh, absolutely. And and I forgot to mention on the last episode, the fact that we had seen Camino live action for the first time in ages. And then we get to see <laughs> it again in this episode and the back of Slave One when it was new and pristine. It's like, oh, <laughs> so cool. I, I'm just loving the fact that they're actually taking Boba Fett seriously. Like they're, they're not just like, yeah, look at this this bounty hunter or badass whatever they're adding so much depth to the character and that's why it's called the book of boba fett we're getting all the lore surrounding him and it's awesome like this like i've been saying this episode really feels like true tv the the promise of tv in star wars you get all of this this information you get all of the action you get all of the so much substance yes exactly (laughs) it's just so much So I guess with that being said, there are a few references in this episode that caught me off guard. I did not know one of these was a reference. I feel kind of stupid for not knowing it (laughs) because I kind of recognize the character. The bounty hunter Wookiee. He is actually from the comics of the modern Star Wars run of comics. Yeah. And he's faced characters like Obi-Wan before, which is awesome. His name is Black Kran Satan. I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong. (laughs) But but yeah, that was pretty awesome seeing like that dude walk up was like yo that's a wookie like oh and then obviously you have two huts who tried to assassinate boba and failed and then he's like you know threatening them and they're threatening him back and then you have all these dudes carrying them and they look like they're about to fall over literally also this is the first time that we've seen huts in a long time yes yeah because i think the last like i think clone wars was the last time we saw huts and even then that was probably what season like four five when yeah, we last really time. saw them so it has been a while since we've had huts in the scene and it's cool that we get two of them mm-hmm. like we've already like that in live action it's always been like oh here's java and then that's about it and then we get the expanded hut lore in other media but this was like oh we get two and they're twins and they're freaking <laughs> weird and then you get <laughs> obviously we haven't really seen weekway as much in this series mm-hmm. which traditionally were the kind of like main dudes who work for java luke kills a bunch of them on on uh the little skiffs in return of the jedi but here they are you know carrying these people it's just nuts and then the other major reference in this episode and this is like or two almost og throwback to new hope is tashi station Mm -hmm. and not only tashi station we get Cammy and Fixer, which were two characters that are in deleted scene for a New Hope when Luke did actually go to Tashi Station. So, oh, yeah, I recognize it, it from the deleted scene now. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's like once you think about it, it's like the, the gear structure is like, wait a minute, I've seen this place before. And people guessed it um, immediately. And I was like, wow, no, I recognize it's like, holy crap, I can't believe they're doing this. And the action scene in there is awesome. It's like, you get this dude just beating up on all these bikers pretty much when you think about it that's pretty much the context just- i also just love that we're seeing boba like with his true fighting skills because boba has a lot of weapons and a lot of technology that he uses when he's bounty hunting but in this show he has none of that or at least in the flashback scenes like when they take on the train and when he goes to tashi station he is fighting them with just a just a staff he doesn't have any armor he doesn't have a flamethrower or a torpedo like he doesn't have any of that. He's just using his bare hands at this point. And I think that's really cool because I'm so used to seeing him 
in armor. It honestly feels like we're watching a whole different character. It makes me think that Tem has a lot more influence on this show, or maybe at least the writers were inspired by him because a lot of people are guessing based on this episode and like the future and whatnot, that they could take this series in the route of having Boba use the Tuscans as his way to control Tatooine. And that's why in the present day, they're not spoiling that by showing us all these flashbacks building up to the present day while having the present day run, uh, you know, concurrently until the stories meet. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they're going to meet and he's going to have the Tuscans show up in the present day because he owes them a lot, clearly. Um, we get to see him learn how to use the gaffy stick. And then obviously the one they give him is kind of crappy, which <laughs> we get to see in the end of the episode. I was trying to guess what was going to happen by the end. And I could not guess how awesome it was going to be. But I was saying he's going to get the black robes by the end of this episode and he's going to get the gaffy stick. And that's exactly what happens. But I didn't know all the things he has to, you know, do to get to that point. Like, yeah, it's awesome. It's just nice to see that they're like, okay, he's helped us. So we we should help him like he's they've made him one of their own. Like they've made him an ally, which I really like to see. And something I guess we should mention, um, people are pointing it out. So there is a very obvious uh, like connection between the Tuscan Raiders in this episode and Native Americans, mm-hmm. especially the train heist. I didn't really realize this, but there is a shot in particular that I was like, oh, wow, they're adding so much to the Tatooine lore. And it's when you see all the uh, Banthas walking like herds. And mm-hmm. apparently that's very similar to herds of bison. Mm-hmm. And uh, there used to be trains of, you know, way back when I don't know what the context was, but, you know, trains that run through all these indigenous areas and they used to kill buffalo to, you know, hurt um, native food supply. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then obviously if Boba helps them out and accepts their ways, really, really cool stuff. And then, of course, we get the i think this is the second time ever we've seen the pikes in live action true the first yeah. time being in solo in i also uh, i also just like how boba is you know talking about like this is colonized land like you guys come and you cross their seas and you hurt them like you owe them some you owe them some reparations essentially i especially got that they were trying to include at least more indigenous identities when the Tuscan Raiders are like, once the settlers came, they have all this technology, they have all this stuff to help them survive here. And they're taking over our way of living. Like we are trying the best we can, but you know, we can't really compare and defeat them when, you know, we just have our hands and they have all of their stuff. And then Boba brings them the speeders and (laughs) teaches them how to, you know, kick the pike's ass, which is that train heist is very reminiscent of Solo as well, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a little bit cooler than Solo because it's much longer and there's way more dramatic weight because you see the Tuscans die and you don't want them to. Yeah. Like, no. And then you get all these awesome, you know, fight scenes. There's a little Shang-Chi style following through the window fight scene when the, I think the second in command Tuscan jumps in and she like destroys all these guys and then and you have Boba getting to the front of the train and the, the robot, like the little droid just jumps out and he's like, nope. And he leaves the train to explode. And then, and then spiders I away. <laughs> yeah, spiders away. That was funny. Like that entire, that, that droid was so weird. There were a lot more um, really impressive special effects moments mm-hmm. in this episode too. And then it, I was like, is this droid like, 
it looks very real clearly it's either an animatronic or like at, at some points it even looked stop motion and then obviously you have uh boba comes and he kicks him out and he turns into a little cg spider robot <laughs> but it's still really fun and there were so many sets built for this because you have the crash yeah. train you have the uh sanctuary madam uh i think it's garza or gaza something like that you know tall twilight lady jennifer mm -hmm. beals and i don't know it's just insanely <laughs> impressive what they're able to pull off in this series um oh I yeah just, we get oh. to see the gaffy stick actually being made which is cool and yeah. the drug trip star wars drug trip that was funny i just want to point out how star wars is starting to just include more drug references like i feel like we hear way more about spice now yes. than we did when it was first introduced when i first heard about it in the clone wars and the fact that like all of these government systems just have all these drugs they're like yeah we're gonna smuggle them like what do you expect us to do <laughs> i also just like how the narrative of tuscan raiders being bad quote unquote is changing like in mando we really start to sympathize with them and just see like they're just trying to protect their land they're just trying to protect their way of living and the republic or whoever you know controlled tatooine was trying to just do away with that so i just love the shift of the narrative where you know oh the tuscans are evil they're gonna kill you if you cross their lands to they're just trying to protect their lands and their way of living it makes obi-wan look a little bit less like intelligent when when his strategy beforehand was just to scare them away yeah which that was also sort of maybe a, uh, the train when it first appeared it made a noise that sounded very similar to one of the many versions of a new hope where they mm -hmm. have obi-wan's little scream to scare them away but i wasn't so sure about it i was like "Ooh, what if they make the sound to scare the tuscans away but whatever it's um <laughs> speaking yeah. of that that's going to be interesting because you know, Obi-Wan, when he gets to Tatooine, and I've been reading the Legends book, Kenobi, he really has no idea how to live in the desert and on his own like that. Like, he's used to at least having the Jedi temple and his fellow Jedi to help him out, whereas in, on Tatooine, he's completely by himself. So it kind of doesn't surprise me that he would be a little clueless when it comes to Tusken Raiders, because he really doesn't have any resources to nope. help him like adapt he didn't have time to research Tatooine beforehand and it's not like he can go up to townspeople and be like hey what is everything because they're going to be like um have you been blind and dead for the past few days like they it's it's very interesting so I we're definitely going to go from seeing the Tuscans as you know just people trying to continue their way of living I'm very curious to see how they'll be portrayed in Kenobi I have a feeling it'll be kind of just back to where it was where it was like don't mess with the tuscans don't mess with the tuscans and we even got a little bit of sympathy toward them in the novelization of the phantom menace because there's a scene that they didn't include in the movie where young anakin i think has to go to a crash site and find all these parts for Watto. um and i guess on the way back he gets hurt or he he didn't have enough water something like that and basically two tuscan raiders come they give him one of the little melon things and they sit with him until he's um until he's back to normal and he actually has like conversations with them like through the force that he doesn't even realize and so that was a very surreal scene that i wish they had put in the movie i think it would have given us a different perspective on the tuscan raiders but just given the length of the movie already and the story 
line, I can see why they did it. That all reminds me of, this is an old Legends thing. It's not canon anymore. Uh, one of the many enemies Obi-Wan faces on Tatooine is a, a Tusken Jedi. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, fallen Tusken Jedi. He, that guy goes on to do more stuff, but I remember that being a big deal where it's like, oh yeah, he has the warrior way of the Tuscans, but he's a Jedi and all this other stuff. So that's pretty interesting. I did not know any of that. I have not read that novel. And obviously we've been saying, or rather you've been reiterating constantly that they will probably pull a lot of uh, story from there for the TV show, which we still know nothing about, but <sighs> that's for another time. Because I was going to say the thing that surprised me a lot about these Tuscans, it was kind of noticeable even when they first reintroduced Boba Fett last season of Mando was the black robes he was wearing were very different than what we were used to from Tuscans, but it was very obvious he had at least somewhat accepted the Tuscan way or done something with them to be wearing their robes and have this fancy gaffy stick and everything. Like it was mm -hmm. obvious he didn't just steal that stuff like to yeah. survive. So it's cool that the tribe he's with is very clearly like completely different than any other tribe of Tuscans we've seen before. They still do a lot of the same stuff, like like those shots of them like sniping from the dunes are very reminiscent of Phantom Menace and A New Hope, yeah. and it's like, yeah, duh, like this is very Tuscany. And then the the dogs, the mastiffs, we got to say that drug trip scene was special for so many reasons. I, I oh love my the gosh. the visual way they show you the tree. I love the fact that him breaking the branches, him like breaking the nightmare of being in the sarlacc, of losing his father, of all this other past trauma it's like oh wow like, that was just so deep like i don't yes. think we've gotten that deep in star wars in a while oh it has yeah. been a hot minute so i when he came with the stick i was like that's gonna be his staff that's gonna be oh like, of course this is how he does it and when i saw them put the black robes on him i'm like he's a warrior status because we saw the tuscan that trained him was also wearing all black mm -hmm. so i think any of the Tuscan Raiders who are wearing all black are the warriors of the tribe. They're the protectors. And so I think that's just really poetic. They're like, we trust you to help protect us since, you know, even despite the fact that we did, you know, hold you hostage, you still stayed. And also got to mention the scene where, or rather scenes where they're training with each other, where he's training with like the chieftain and he gets beaten every time. Like, yeah. well, some well the last one is kind of like he's the other guy's just showing off and he, because he accepts boba and he you know you know lifts him off the ground and is like yeah you're one of us now pretty much and then at the end i thought oh, are they gonna fight over this fire and they don't and they just do yeah a, you know the forms around the fire perfectly to the beat of the music i was like oh my god this is so next level like that's the kind of stuff i was expecting to not see until Dave Filoni's Ahsoka series or maybe mm -hmm. even Obi-Wan is the very like cinematic you know big um and also character driven stuff that's the stuff that Dave Filoni nails that's like why his Star Wars stuff is so praised is because he manages to do everything right and this this episode felt like that it was doing everything right there's just so many moments mm -hmm. where you're like wow which here's another good moment the Rancor fake out that was really funny, but it was also like, oh man, where's forgot about that? Where's the rancor? Like, I know, I because well, I thought about that too when 
um, when Fennec is like, well, maybe the Rancor will. And she pulls the switch. I'm like, wait, did they get another one? Like, I, I was very confused. And I love that they just faked him out. That was so funny. It was kind of obvious, too, after a while. It's like, there's going to be no Rancor in there, is there? And then, of course, there isn't. Um, as soon as the door opens, you realize that. And then, then Fennec starts laughing it off. And it's pretty funny because it's still them being slightly merciful, more merciful than the mayor who yeah. kills the dude as soon as they, they walk in. He's like, thank you for bringing this guy to me, <laughs> which, oh, we got to mention that, I guess. Um, so the mayor's a Thorian, which we got a lot of in, you know, the animated shows. And they've been in live action all the way back from A New Hope. Mm-hmm. But the way they get him to talk in English was really smart. But that was yeah. also in Clone Wars, but we'd never seen it in live action. And that was really impressive. Uh, it felt like a mix of animatronic and then CGI for his like gills. Yeah, I really never noticed cool. that they'd really had gills before. I know, right? It's weird. And then he has like the, obviously the translators stuck in there, the way he mm-hmm. talks. And then I liked his uh, guards, like their their garb, <laughs> their professional like uniforms. I thought they were really Very cool. elegant for yeah. Tatooine. Exactly. It's like, whoa. <laughs> and then obviously when they go back to sanctuary with um uh, the twilights like also a completely different vibe and this is something i also forgot to mention last time so the remix of the cantina band song in the first episode was played by robert rodriguez he played the guitar was it really yes and it's called cantina latina i was like oh that's awesome that's such a good way to to kind of you know revitalize the material and it's obviously very rodriguez you know mexico yeah so that was awesome awesome. i love that i love that yeah it was like oh so cool and it sounds like he was on this again even though it's obviously not the exact same piece of music it was different obviously um and i guess i should okay so i already mentioned the music earlier but i really really want to talk about just how good there was a point in this episode where i said that this is unmatched right now in I think in the TV and movie space, in some ways, the music is, um, there's a part where they're burning the dead Tuscans' bodies, you know, ritualistic and everything. Mm-hmm. And the music, um, usually with somber music, you either do like a string choir or you do piano, which is kind of cliche. Um, you can make both of those work really well if you're a great composer. But in this case, they use men's choir. And I was like, yeah, what? That is like that's such an obvious choice but you rarely hear it and done in such a way that it feels like a warrior ritual it's very melodic and um i don't know what else to say about it it's amazing and it's then obviously so haunting and it just fits so perfectly oh yeah no it's just like oh it's so <sighs> so good it's like oh, everything that's the other thing in this episode the cinematography and the um just the the sound design and all the choices made were very like felt a lot more grounded um the first episode is very stylized very rodriguez very action focused um still very solid start and then this one kind of like narrows focus it kind of reminds me funny enough of the second chapter of mandalorian Mm -hmm. just like how this is chapter two because that chapter was also very much like focused quiet um all about you know jawa culture (laughs) to see the egg and all this stuff um, this one is in a similar vein, although it's carrying a longer story, which I'm really appreciating. I'm so glad that this feels different than Mandalorian because Mandalorian, for me at least, is like like 
really fun, but I did kind of want to see more, you know, straight shot episodic storytelling and we're getting that and it's really yeah. good. <laughs> like, I really can't wait please. for a making of the book of Boba Fett because oh, I really yeah. want to watch like 10 kind of instruct court, like fight choreographers and everything on like Maori culture, because it's obvious that there's a lot of Maori and Polynesian in indigenous influence. And I really want to watch that all happen because we got a taste of it in Mando um, when Boba is officially introduced. Um, a lot of the fight scenes in that episode are based on the haka, which is, um, I believe, a fire breath dance is what Tim said in the um, making of Mandalorian. So I would just love to see just how much influence because obviously it's such a heavy influence in this show which I love it's so different from Star Wars and I think it was a it's a really good move for them to take because it just it helps differentiate all of the different tribes and species that exist in the Star Wars universe and so I hope they start doing that with more shows and exploring more cultural backgrounds I think that would just really expand the universe so well absolutely and we're getting a lot of expansion on so many fronts because we've been talking about obviously the Tuscans, but there is more to the syndicate and the crime underworld, you know, stuff, because obviously they're talking about it like vassals. They're comparing it to basically Japanese um, imperialism or mm -hmm. not really imperialism. I, medieval times, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like you get the word daimyo tossed around a lot. Yeah. And I thought that's really cool because it's like obviously Star Wars has been seeped in Westerns and Samurai stuff. And here you're getting the two of them interlinked, which this has happened before, but not as like this, like obviously where it's like very Western inspired, like aesthetic. But then the the culture is more, you know, Samurai, old school Japanese. It's really cool. And then the huts, you get the word now Hutta mentioned in live action. I don't think that's ever been done before. either. No. Um I mean, Jabba's so really much. the only hut that was ever shown in live action. We've really never seen a hut outside of the animated series, which is excellent. Though also one of them was holding like a mouse thing. I was so worried he was going <laughs> to eat it on screen. And he oh, didn't. me too. I was, I was like, please don't. And then he just tossed it aside and I was like, oh, thank goodness. I know. It's like, okay, that's a rarity. Even their introduction yeah. with the music was cool with the drums. And, mm -hmm. um, oh, and then for once, the drums actually matched what was being played. Like they matched on screen to what was actually sounding. I was like, okay, cool. Because usually it's like off. I don't know what else I have to say about everything to do with this episode. I guess I'm just excited to see the future. I have really, I'm like I said, I'm so glad that I haven't been spoiled on anything. Because like yeah. I didn't know there was going to be a train heist in this series at all. I I just, and I didn't watch the episode until last night and I was on social media all day yesterday and I get, I didn't get spoiled anything. I think a lot of people, this is really one show like where we really can't predict anything that's happening. No. And I think that's kind of why people aren't really spoiling it is we're all just enjoying the ride. We're just happy to have another piece of Star Wars content. And so I think, you know, there, there's just no point in spoiling it. Like it, it, it'll defeat the entire the whole excitement of the show and I think everyone collectively is just like we we all want to experience it together and not create any kind of riff yeah yeah I feel like something tells me by the end of this series people are going to be mega hyped and if they nail the finale it's going to be epic there's a reason Star Wars has been kind of random with the episode counts I think two seasons of Mandalorian have been eight 
This mm -hmm. one is seven. I think a lot of it has to do with how they, you know, splice out run times because all of these shows have been, I think, on average, about five and a half hours long total, mm -hmm. um, Marvel, Star Wars. But I think with this show, especially, they're, they're going to have like a lot more story to tell. Um, a lot deeper story to tell and the set pieces are going to be mind-blowing obviously it's Robert Rodriguez and <laughs> he kind of proved that what he could do with Boba Fett in uh, Mandalorian so man also uh, Robert and Tim just have really good chemistry like they oh, literally yeah. formed their own little boy band while they were <laughs> filming this Boba Fett and the Strum Troopers so I thought that awesome. was the cutest thing ever they get it so they get along so well and you can just see that in the work they're creating, like they're working together, they're coming to a middle ground and, you know, tossing ideas back and forth. Like, I don't feel like there's any conflict at all between them. They like, I think that just helps the show so much. And they really do have to nail the finale because we have Kenobi coming up after this and people have been waiting i've seen twitter accounts that are literally called is today the day we get a kenobi trailer and then i think it's a picture of obi-wan or something saying no so it it's we just have so much coming up we also have mando at the end of the year so we really do boba fett's really kicking off a whole bunch of shows that's coming out and we can't forget Andor's also <gasps> coming out this year which is I like and I bad forgot. batch season two there was um uh i keep getting this commercial a lot recently um i saw it on hulu as well it's um for disney plus in 2022 and they run through a bunch of new shows and ironically enough you don't see kenobi on there we know it's coming you out you do this see year. bad batch exactly you see bad batch you see andor and i was mm -hmm. like oh wow so those are actually coming out like it's happening surprisingly like yeah it feels kind of surreal um because it's been so long um, with bad batch it's like okay makes sense you got a season last year um they announced the second season almost immediately after that one was over so clearly they had already been working on it with this show i feel like it, it feels like an extension of the mandalorian what the mandalorian started in the best of ways um mm -hmm. obviously you get the concept art you get the opening with the music and the title um in the chapter this and just like mandalorian they're not revealing the names of the chapters in the sub menu on disney plus until um like a few weeks after which is yeah. awesome so you just get chapter one chapter two is just oh which is really smart of them honestly like they they really thought all of this through like they wanted to make sure that we get the full shock effect so to speak oh yeah no yeah and like i said i love seeing the concept art for everything <sighs> in the episodes and this one had some amazing concept art particularly the last one where it's boba surrounded by tuscans and they're all wearing like badass like yeah black guard i was like oh this is oh it's so cool <laughs> So, I mean, this is this is the beginning, and this is such a good beginning for Star Wars. These first episodes have been really exciting. Like, we're getting we're getting deeper dives into things that we wanted without it feeling like like fan phony. service. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like hundred percent fan service. It really does feel like we're exploring this character in a way that you did not expect. Mm -hmm. So awesome! Like. <laughs> Well, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of This is the Waycast. For more Star Wars content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Boardwalk Times. We'll be back next week to talk about Chapter 3. This is the Waycast is a Boardwalk Times production produced and edited by me and Giovanni Delgadillo and music by Kevin McLeod.